0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Man, Jeff Trenopoul. And as always, I bring you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Home of some of the greatest fans in Cincinnati and sports history. If you're watching the show, do me a favor. Hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I am live streaming on multiple platforms here. We are live on ZTV Cincinnati. Live on ZTV Online. YouTube, Facebook, Rumble and Twitter if you have not subscribed to my YouTube channel please do if you're not subscribed to the Rumble channel please do I would greatly appreciate it and if you're looking for some other reason other than this great content to subscribe to my channel we're doing a live show this Friday at Brick Brewery and we're giving away four Bearcat tickets to the TCU game along with a Bearcat hoodie and a Bearcat hat all you got to do is go to ZTV online Fill out the information there. Subscribe to my channel. The reason you want to subscribe to my channel is me and Joe will be giving it away live tomorrow night at Brick Brewery. You can also go to Brick Brewery and sign up there. So four Bearcat tickets, some TCU game, a Bearcat hoodie, a Bearcat hat. All you got to do is sign up and subscribe to my channel. I greatly appreciate it. And as always, I've come to you live from this glorious place down here. It's the Ice Cave, and the Ice Cave is brought to my T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. And, you know, we hit the jackpot when we drafted Joe Burrow. Make sure you are geared up for next year. Joe is rehabbing and getting ready to become back better than ever ne- next year. You need to be lined out with the merchandise, the flags, the hats, and got the beer, the beers at break Brewery, the shirts, the hoodies, all the stuff we have. All of that, except for the beer, is at jackpotjoey9.com. Like I said, the beer is at Break Brewery. It's award-winning and delicious. And remember, portions of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow Foundation. All right, so we had a lot of news this week. NFL coaching carousel. Start out the week, Pete Carroll was off the board. Then Nick Saban, the greatest college football coach ever. I mean, say uh, – Love him, hate him, whatever. You can't argue with uh, seven championships, and then, arguably, probably not, but arguably, the best NFL head coach ever. The New England Patriots decided to part ways with Bill Belichick. That's something to discuss. Who's next? Hardball at Michigan, and who replaces him? And what? What would you remind? What would you say about their legacy? You know, Belichick. Do you remember Deflate Gate? Saban. You just remember all the. Uh, Championships. Pete Carey, you going to remember the pass in the, uh, the Super Bowl. set of right the ball? I don't know. Lots of things we can uh, discuss. We do have some Reds news today. Let's get into that. Reds uh, today signed a couple guys. Uh, free, uh, excuse me, um, arbitration eligible, signed them for that. Lucas Sims, T.J. Anson, Alex Young, and Jake Fraley. Then, after Carl told us they were done doing anything, they signed free agent pitcher Brett Suter. He's a left-handed uh, reliever out of the bullpen. bullpen. It's a one-year contract worth $2.5 million in 2024 with a $3.5 million club option or buyout. It's $500,000. dollars thousand dollar will get it right. And they did end up signing Tyler Stevenson. Uh, Avoided arbitration with him. It's one year's $2.52 million contract. So we got some Reds news. We got some NFL news. We got guys in the chat. What's up, everybody? Chat strangers in the first. Brad's in there uh pork chop my boys in there jeremy quinn and kevin's in there joey Carr, my boy from ztv all right let's get to the first of my guests today he's from the river he's been on multiple times he'll be on tomorrow night with me co-hosting from brink brewery he is none other than joe farsing What up joe
0: i am a bad penny i just keep turning up
1: (laughs) i know i can't get rid of you like god
0: you forgot to mention the most important thing about brent Suter. what's that from Adam Heisdew High School. I mean, Moeller High School. Yes. Here on the lovely east side of town.
1: Well, you know, he's all from the wrong side of town, but at least he's a Cincinnati kid, so that, that's a good thing. Let's discuss that here Now, Let's get to our, our other uh, guest for today. He's uh, from Bearcat Blitz, and front office is Neil Meyer. What up, Neil? What's going on, guys? How are you?
2: Oh, just living
1: the dream, brother. Living the dream. So... Let's get into this NFL coaching carousel. Are you guys – I mean, the NFL landscape and college landscape is never going to be the same. Pete Carroll's gone, Saban's gone, Belichick's gone. Harbaugh, we don't know about. I I still think he's probably leaving. Yeah, I think he's gone. I mean, that's at least three, possibly four big names. Let's just start uh, – I'll start with you, Joe. What, what's what's the legacy? What's the, what's the thing that stands out for these guys, uh, Carroll, Saban, Belichick?
0: I mean, it's pretty crazy within, what, 24 hours – a total of seven national championships and seven Super Bowl—you know—coaches with that with those collective resumes are stepping away, or I mean, they're all. I, I, I guess they're all stepping away. No one's getting fired. Uh, everyone knew Belichick was probably going to be on his way out. Right. Obviously, Saban leaving and Pete Carroll uh, deciding to go up to the front office were surprises. Well, but, I don't know um, if he
1: decided to do that or not. <laughs> I think he just got a made to do that. To be honest
0: maybe but they were, that they're able to work out something I don't want to say equitable but something you know some sort of secession plan that that he could stay with the organization right um says a lot about how much just you know how much of the team they hold him in so
1: all right Neil what do you got for for the the legacy of Carol Sabin and belichick uh, you you're a little younger you probably don't even remember football without these guys to be honest
2: yeah and it's crazy to think about that it's all happened so quickly. Uh, but Pete Carroll, the first thing that comes to mind, you mentioned it earlier for someone my age was definitely playing the Super Bowl where Malcolm Butler picked off Russell Wilson. Yep. But that's the play that sticks into my mind, obviously being a younger adult. That's something that would definitely stick into your mind for Pete Carroll. But overall to see them all go out in the last week, right, it's definitely been really surprising. But as you guys mentioned, it was kind of expected for Bill Belichick to be on his way out up there in New England. But then Pete Carroll, you kind of had your your questions there as the season went on. Was hey, is this something that that could go, could happen, make the move to the front office? It was kind of one of those things where it could have leaned either way. Right. But to see Nick Saban step away was the one that really caught me by surprise, especially coming off the season Alabama just had. And I know a lot of people are going to question whether NIL had to play a factor. That's in
1: that. that's what I was about to say. I, I think well, I think NILs run a lot of the older coaches out of college football mm-hmm. and college basketball. I mean, Krzyzewski left. Uh, why can't I think of the coach from, from – uh, Villanova.
2: Star- Noble.
1: Yeah. Jay, Jay Wright. Wright. Jay Wright and then Syracuse. I can't think of Syracuse. Syracuse. Jim Thank Bayheim. you. I'm trying to think yeah. of that yesterday. They all left. I mean, those are big-time coaches. I think yeah, a lot of that has to do with the NIL. What, what do you got, Joe?
0: Sports better without Jim Beheim. He's kind of a crusty asshole that was pretty much <laughs> just an arrogant, pompous a-hole, so I – it's better off with that guy no longer having to be dealt with. But He's
1: on ESPN now. I saw him uh, uh, doing a cover commentating on uh, – I don't remember what game it was. I was watching.
0: It's good riddance. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, yeah, back to it with Saban. I think in his interview today, I think it kind of hit him that he realized it was time to go when he couldn't give the, the same effort throughout the season. Obviously, college – Football is an absolute grind. And everyone yeah. who knows that, works in athletics, been around it, it it's a grind. And obviously, he's uh, 72 years old for people who aren't exactly sure on the exact age of Nick Saban. 72 years old for the way NIL and whatnot has completely trans- like just changed college athletics. And for college football, you're having someone literally as a head coach, a great head coach in Nick Saban, one of the best of all time. But to see everything quickly change over the last three seasons, I mean, that definitely played a factor because now, not only just with his staff, he has to do a lot more in terms of legislation, making sure NIL is in fact, how much are they paying the players, all that, setting all that kind of stuff up. So overall, NIL definitely changed it, even though he did say NIL didn't really impact his decision because they've been doing it the last three seasons since it became legal. But overall, NIL was definitely a huge a huge reason why we all think Nick Saban stepped down.
1: Well, it's a whole other thing you got to control because you got to figure out where you're getting the money from. I I mean, I'm not saying the head coach does it all, but it's another aspect that they have to do that's other than coaching. NIL NIL literally has nothing to do with coaching a football team, molding young men. I mean, that's the reason most of these guys get into it. They want to help young men grow as football players and grow as young men, and they want to build a program. I mean, NIL really has nothing to do with that other than trying to get the best players. And all you got to do is give them the, the most money. And if you ain't got that, then you're probably not going to get the players that, and that's the other thing. Same might, which I think Alabama has got a lot of money, but I mean, Texas, I don't think they got as much money as Texas. I mean, Texas is giving away a lot of stuff. I mean, what's your thoughts on that, Joe?
0: That, I, that definitely has a lot to do with it. Again, it's just one more thing besides NIL, uh, NIL, the uh, transfer portal. Yep. Portal. Wow. I'm struggling with uh Annunciation I, I
1: speak good today
0: <laughs> right exactly me me speak good English me fail English that's impossible um and, and and all three of these guys uh Bill Belichick is the youngest of the three he's turning 72 in April Pete Carroll and Sabin are both 72 already these guys that already had their legacy made so it, it's at least for you know Sabin and I think Belichick it just do they want to deal with the uh just with the aggravation and and just with all the BS that comes with everything, obviously college and pro game are two completely different animals and you've got two totally different sets of headaches, headaches, but I think, yeah, just the changing face of the game with transfer portal. I mean, you've got to re recruit your team every Every single year. year. And and when you're a place like Alabama, you're constantly turning five-star recruits anyway. I mean, UC was the beneficiary of Jerome for transferring out of there. Um, Guys, were, guys were leaving uh, before the transfer uh, before the portal became this kind of wild west frontier, and and it's just, I, I, I think it was just too much to deal with. He had, you know, he, this was going to be his last shot. Regardless, there were a lot of Alabama players that were entering the portal mm-hmm. already, so I think that he let the team know, or the team kind of had a feeling anyway.
1: Right. Uh, Mike so. Man, Mike Mann here. If I get my cursor to work here. Mike Madden's got a question. Uh, He said, I wonder if Alabama players knew about Saban before he went public with it. Uh, I I, I don't know. Well, you would think so because the funny thing is I heard something where um, it's one of the SEC coaches. I can't remember what I was watching this on, but he said he was literally on a Zoom call with Saban yesterday. And then uh, like an hour later, he announced that he was retiring. So, and, and Saban didn't say anything in the Zoom call with all the, all the SEC coaches, which is, it's just kind of, I don't know, when I hear something like that, I'm kind of like, you didn't get, all of a sudden go, you know what, you're on a Zoom call with all the coaches and learning whatever, you know, whatever rules or whatever the heck they were talking about. And all of a sudden, you know what, screw it, I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to retire. So it sounded like, I, I think he, people had to know, I, I would think, but I, th- I think Saban does a good job of keeping things close to the best. I mean, it, so, and that's why I, I always am curious
2: of, when it breaks of when he actually decided to do it, you know? Yeah, and I think that's a great point, Jeff. Obviously, because I saw the reports today before it happened that he was weighing which way, whether he wanted to continue coaching or go ahead and make the retirement announcement up until about five minutes before the team meeting yesterday. (laughs) The report said that he was weighing which speech to give at 3.55 with the team meeting set at 4. So (laughs) it's one of those stories where you could go Either way where the team probably knew, but they're trying to keep it in house and but you never know in those situations because obviously he just went on a trip with his wife, comes back and then he mentioned that in his speech as well. That that's kind of when it hit him was like, Hey, this might be the right time for me to do this. So it's one of those things where if you if it's me, I bet you the team did know. But overall it's one of those things only one person knows the real answer, and that's Nick Saban, I feel like.
1: And the thing is, you wonder, like you know, he says he retires, you wonder, I don't know, in a year or two, he starts getting the itch again. Because, I mean, this is something these guys have been doing forever. I mean, he's been coaching since the 80s. Uh, I think it might, might, might have started in the 70s. I don't, I don't know for sure. But, I mean, he's he's play, been playing football forever. And it's been in his blood for so many years. And all of a sudden, it's it's gone. You know, so that's what if you wonder, once these guys retire, can they really stay retired?
2: Yeah, I think he's moving into a front office kind of advisory role because in his press conference later this afternoon, he uh, came out and told Reese Davis of ESPN that he's going to actually have an office above Dare Benny Stadium. So, <laughs> nice. And I mean, he announced his retirement yesterday, and he was back in the facility not even 12 hours later. So so he's I still going to be he's, there. He's just not going to be yeah, coaching. he's still going to be there, but it might just be in a different capacity. Yeah, he's going
1: to be, he's gonna be getting some, trying to get people to give him some money. <laughs> That's what he's going to be doing.
0: Gotcha. What what I think is interesting is Alabama's come out and said they want a new head coach in place within 72 hours, which that right there tells you that if that's their timeline, they had a list of guys already lined up. Maybe they didn't know that he was going to step away today, that they were going to step away this offseason, but they've been building a um, uh, building a list of roster of guys that that they're interested in, knowing that it would be happening soon. Um how do you follow that guy up, considering he's going to have his office right above you and the legacy that he's leaving behind there? That's what's next. Head coach is just set up for absolute failure. You so I think they should just him. they should just hire Debo Swinney just because let him fail, get out of the way, and then hire you know hire the next generational coach after him.
1: Well, I mean, if you look how long it t- took it to find somebody at the, to replace Bear Bryant, I mean, they won one national championship. You know,
0: Gene Stallings.
1: Yeah, Gene Stallings in '92. Bear Bryant retired in 82. They they won another one in the 92, 10 years later, and they didn't do crap for a long time. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, so many people are like, oh Alabama's been good forever. I was like, no, when honestly, when I was growing up in Alabama, stunk. They weren't very good when I when I was growing up in the in the 80s. And and I mean, like I said, the, the one year in 92, they were good. So, like you say, you don't ever want to be the dude to follow the dude. You want to be yeah. the dude that follows the dude that follows the dude is what you yeah. want to do. I mean, that goes for all these positions, though. I mean, maybe not necessarily Pete, uh, Pete Carroll. NFL's a little different, but I mean, but Bill Belichick. You, uh, to me, I'm like, I I always thought Vrabel, but then I've I've heard that they might be uh, doing in-house with one of their, uh, I think, their linebacker coach or something like that. Mayor, Mayo, yeah, yeah yeah, Mayo, yeah, yeah. Which I didn't know that. I thought I thought initially with Grable being fired, I thought he might be, but then they're saying Mayo might might be
2: uh, the next man up. Yeah, that and that's a good point you mentioned too, Jeff, because. Uh, for people who didn't know, Mike Vrabel got announced uh, inducted to the Patriots Hall of Fame this October, this past mm-hmm. October, and he made a introduction speech that a lot of people are speculating <laughs> that kind of left some people there in the Titans front office unhappy because when he went back there, he said, "I didn't want you guys to take this organization for granted. I've been to a lot of different places. New England is a special place with great leadership, fans, dedication, and great coaching." Enjoy it while you have it because this environment is none like any other environment there in the NFL. So that's a statement in itself. But obviously, yeah. Vagel has a historic career up there. He got inducted to the Hall of Fame. But Tennessee, like, firing him.
1: That, they probably, were stupid. I don't know why they fired him. I think they were dumb for firing him, to be honest.
2: stupid because they, they didn't give him the option to really succeed down there. They had Derrick Henry, and that was it. They traded A.J. Brown, and look what happened out of it. Yep. They, they traded their best player, arguably, and goes out and has massive success in Philadelphia, but they get nothing in return. Their first-round draft picks haven't panned out. Derrick Henry can only do so much for a team. You have Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback for a few years, and then you draft Malik Willis, who has been a bust so far, and then you draft Will Levis, who hasn't done anything superior through the first few games. So Overall, I just don't think they gave Frable the right assets around him. To really no, they, have it.
1: In Tennessee. They, they had a defense and they had no offense. And they had Ryan Tannehill, who, well, you know, how Ryan Tannehill is, um, excuse me, uh, Mike Bannon here says, uh, I guess for Alabama, they want to be a uh, coach of Oregon, but he announced he's staying at Oregon. I, I hadn't heard that yet. Um, I, I mean, first thing I thought of was, was Damo. I mean, I don't think, um, uh, what's the vision Georgia. I don't think he leaves. Uh, Terry Nelson kind of mentioned that yesterday on the show, but I mean, he's a Georgia alum, uh, uh, who, uh, Kirby Smart, Kirby Smart, thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think Kirby Smart leaves. He's got. Why would he leave? He's got it set up. I mean, I put if I if I, I place a bet for a, a college team to win the national championship next year in football, I'll put place it on Georgia right now. I think Georgia's pissed off that they blew it. You know, again the SEC championship game. That's the one I'm going for. And Kirby Smart's got it rolling. He's got it rolling like Alabama had it rolling. So I mean, I don't know why he would leave Georgia to go go to Alabama, but it, it is gonna be interesting.
0: I don't we'll, a, we'll, we'll,
1: go ahead.
0: good good doesn't say Georgia to Alabama is a lateral move right now anyway so I don't yeah maybe I mean maybe he would if he had an Alabama background but, he but he's a Georgia, Georgia guy so it does you know it right. you're you're moving from the current best college football team to the current second best college football program so I don't know how much sense that actually makes
2: that Yeah, and then you talk about Dan Lanning who is the guy from Georgia head coach of Georgia or head coach at Oregon, Oregon. sorry, yep. he was at Georgia OC under uh, Kirby Smart during the 2021 season, which I actually had the familiarity with because obviously UC played Georgia in the Peach Bowl while Lanning was at Georgia, and then he went out to Oregon. And, I mean, just look at the success that he has had at Oregon. It makes no sense for him to leave right now to go to Alabama, even though he has coaching ties to Alabama. It makes no no sense because right now what he's building in Oregon – Yes, the Pac-12 is a giant disaster, but in his first two seasons, you go 22 and five, and what what do you go from there? Like you go to a right. Bama team, but when you have massive success. You're bringing in massive four or five star recruits out there to Oregon, and they're building that thing back up out there. And as he said in his interview, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And he said the main reason for him staying in Eugene was the grass is greener right there in Eugene than where it is anywhere else. So Well, that he ain't got to replace a legend.
1: <laughs> you, you don't want to be the dude replacing the dude. That, that's, that's the thing. All
0: yeah. right, so. And I was going to say, look at the last two guys to leave Oregon, too. Mario Cristobal, he's not exactly thriving there in Miami. Uh, Chip Kelly d- didn't exactly thrive in the NFL and is back, what, treading water, I guess, at UCLA. I don't even know where to. Yeah, he's their started, uh, program at this day. I, so
1: that surprised me. I thought he'd actually turn UCLA around pretty quick, and he really hasn't. He's been okay, but nowhere close to what he was when he was at at
2: Oregon. That that one, as far as how it's turned out, surprised me. Well, speaking um, of Chip Kelly, he just lost his five star prize quarterback Dante Moore from UCLA to Oregon. So I mean, he's <laughs> trending on real real water out there in UCLA, just because I mean Dante Moore was probably arguably one of the best quarterbacks come out of that class. And he gets limited action out there at UCLA this season, and he goes right back where he was projected <laughs> to end up in the first place, and that's Oregon. So right, it's, it's right. an interesting time for sure. So I, I, I got to put this up here. Brad, Brad that's, this, this,
1: I agree with you, but this ain't going to happen. You see fans will pay for the team to take center field. I, I think we, we got center field for at least another another year. He's What's his contract uh, for, Neil?
2: Any sat for two, um, two years, five, three years? five years and I think it's three point five a year, but I hate to say it, it's not gonna happen. No, he's yeah. gonna be he's gonna be here for a little bit probably. At least, that, at least at least I mean,
0: yeah, that, that that buyout is gonna be too much for them the to buyout, handle until yeah. after two or three years.
2: Yeah, and yeah. I hate to say it, they brought in Scott Satterfield in the middle of December last year. The portal was already already rumbling. You couldn't get the guys that he really probably wanted, safe to say it. Still had to put a staff together this season. Now in the offseason, you have your whole staff together. He's keeping his whole staff. So that's something that should be known as well. He's keeping his whole staff. Now he's been able to target and get those guys he's wanted. We saw a lot of players at the portal, but he's been able to address that mm-hmm. through yeah. the high school ranks and the transfer portal again. So it's definitely going to be an exciting season for Scott Satterfield based on the guys they have brought in. So Bearcats, yeah. fans to stay patient on that one. Yeah, Some of these guys
1: didn't even start uh, that came in, didn't even get to play spring ball
2: <laughs> for the Bearcats to
1: hurt. I mean, it was, yeah, you got to kind of chalk up last year, too. You know, it is what it is. We'll have to see what happens moving forward. Like I said, I, I wasn't happy the way it, it went, but I'm not ready to, to, to can him yet.
0: Go well, no, well, ahead. Yeah. And what I was going to say is uh, they were going from the AC to the Big 12, losing their head coach. It didn't matter who they brought in, they could have brought in some sort of love child of Vince Lombardi, Nick Saban. And uh Phil Belichick and he they still would have struggled. I mean with, with him, the but the little amount of time they lost but they lost the churn, two thirds of the roster, I think, that got turned uh, yeah, over he from
2: thirty people from the Luke Fickle era there after he announced he was going to Wisconsin. So it's yeah. not an easy turnover rate.
0: Yeah, so wow. and losing losing having to replace so much at so many positions and trying to build on the fly with a influx uh coaching staff. I don't like I have my issues with play calls and, and the minutiae of coaching, but UCF brought a team that was one of the best teams. In the AAC had their same coaching staff, didn't lose recruits, and they struggled. They barely made a bowl game and they barely beat UC. So, I mean, I don't know what UC fans really expected this year to be. I think looking at where the talent was, I think maybe five and seven was the best case scenario. And they lost a lot of close games. So I don't, I was bummed out by the year. I still wasn't, wasn't thrilled with this with the uh with the hiring. I'm still not overly excited, but looking at the guys they got coming in, they've got a good roster or good roster, they've got an intriguing roster coming in, a lot of interesting players. And Neil's only gonna point up from here. Will he be the guy to bring in the ten uh uh 10, 12 win season? I don't know. Time will tell. It taken anything that happened at Louisville, you really have to take it with a grain of salt. that athletic department is kind of a dumpster fire yeah jeff Brom turned the football program are on, around but they're a basketball at first school and look at how awful mm-hmm. how terrible kenny payne is doing down there with uh with the uh, basketball program i'm
1: sorry I, I, anytime Louisville sucks i i, I love it <laughs>
0: you know, i'm good with it my brother lives in louisville uh he's the only one flying a uc bearcat Sea paul uh, <laughs> in his neighborhood so it's you know
1: but that does that do we have a pretty good uh, quarterback coming in from indiana was he a transfer or a high school guy
2: Transfer, transfer Brendan yeah. and yeah. a guy who lost the starting job to begin the season to trace jackson davis's brother who was a four-star recruit coming out of high school but then uh jackson davis struggled and then led to Swordsby going and absolutely balling out for indiana like he took penn state on the ropes at Penn State, like everyone knows that's not an easy challenge to do there in Death Valley. All right. Not an easy opportunity. And I can't remember if that was the whiteout game. I don't think it was. But either way, it was a game that was decided by a field goal. He showed a lot of promise. But the best thing is, Scott Satterfield now has a quarterback heading into the season where he can develop for three seasons compared to just one season in last season when he brought in Emory Jones at this time.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's looking up there. I, I, I think we're... we're tending in the right direction which is good we'll have to see what happens but i mean the big 12 is no joke i mean just look at the bearcat basketball program i mean the, we, we're rolling into to, to saturday night game against uh, uh baylor and i don't know what you guys but i am i don't want to say pleasantly surprised but the way they played against dayton the way to play against xavier i wasn't sure how we were going to do going into this big 12 but we won against byu We played a hell of a game against Texas. You make a couple free throws. You make a couple more layups. You win the daggone game. I think we got a good shot of going down to Baylor and winning. What, What do you got there, Neil?
2: Yeah, well, you talk about the Texas game. Obviously, free throws is what everyone's questioning. But looking back at the stats the other night after the game, 15 turnovers for 22 points for Texas. So that's another huge factor. I mean, Big 12 teams, they are very good at creating turnovers. And we've seen that, but the win at BYU was impressive because BYU is just an excellent shooting team and 45% from the field, 40% from behind the arc was third in the nation at the time in three-point shooting. And you held them to four of 26, I believe, outside of Trevin Nell, who was just an absolute bucket, like Jimmerfordette vibes was given off all night. just seems like he couldn't miss. And then they made the adjustment, put him to the bench, which I, I don't understand that call, but. Okay. We'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> it worked out. But overall, Big 12, I mean, Big 12 is the Big 12. It's the best conference in America. I mean, you saw it on any given night. Kansas got beat by UCF last night. UCF was projected to finish at the bottom of the conference. Oklahoma lost last night. They were number Oklahoma three. Oklahoma lost right? to BYU. Mm-hmm. And then you got to think. Houston lost the other night. Mm-hmm. BYU, in my preseason poll, I'll admit it, I I had them voted 12th in the Big 12. And next thing you know, they got it all together and. Now they're a top 10 team at one point, obviously aren't now because they've lost two straight, but overall the big 12 is parody and it's top to bottom parody. Anybody can be anybody on a given night. We've seen it in recent years. West Virginia started zero for eight last year, in conference play and made the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, the way they came out in big play, big 12 play though, has been exciting. It really has fans did a great job with the stripe out on Tuesday night. So we have to acknowledge that. That was a really cool environment to see. Obviously we've, Jeff has seen it at Paycor Stadium before, and, man, was it exciting to see it in Fifth Third Arena the other night. But they're trending in the upward direction. They're still finding their identity of this team, but there's going to be a lot of promise for Wes Miller and the Bearcats as this Big 12 season moves forward. What
1: I liked is is Victor
2: Lockton and and, and the guys on the inside actually
1: looked more confident uh, than they had, I think, at the beginning of the year. Vic had the ball down low, and it was actually – making nothing to make push moves, but he was more decisive, I thought, than he has been at any point in his career that I saw.
2: Yeah, and that's a great point. Victor Locken has been the steady, steady Eddie guy for the Bearcats this season. Obviously, he finished with 17 versus Texas the other night, but people forget. I think he only had four in the first half, so he had a big second half, but I think right now for them, the Bearcats is obviously, they're heading into an absolute gauntlet of a schedule here in the Big 12. You started with BYU, Texas, Baylor, and then you get – TCU or Oklahoma, TCU, Kansas, and then you get UCF. So, I mean, it's not an easy first month of big 12 conference play, but like you said, it's any given day, anybody can be anybody in the big 12, but it's just coming down to staying healthy. People forget CJ Frederick's still out with a hamstring injury. Aziz Bandago's still a little bit banged up following the back injury. So, I mean, it's still something to keep an eye on because we have not seen a full a full game yet with a full right, bear roster, right, if right. I remember right. So, yep, I mean, yep. just thinking about all the potential that team has once they can all come collectively together.
1: And we're getting Jameer Reynolds, who's just starting to get his win back. But, I mean, dude, that dunk when he dunked on, I don't remember who it was, he dunked on, te- on Texas, was awesome. That gave me Kenyon Vart- Martin vibes, Eric Hicks vibes. And then, to me, I, that got me excited. That's that's old school Bearcats. I stood up ball the time dunk on him, And I haven't seen a big dude for the Bearcats do that in a
2: while, it seemed like. Yeah, and then the potential of Dan Skillings, too. People got a glimpse of it the other night with the poster on Tyrese Hunter. And Dan Skillings is still scratching the surface, too. So, if they can find him going, depending how long a guy like uh, C.J. Frederick is out, they're going to need guys like C.Moss Lukosius, Dan Skillings, John Newman to step up. And it's really been a mix of those guys right now. And C.Moss Lukosius, let's talk about that, too, guys. I mean, kid got Mm -hmm. hit by a car. Hit by a (laughs) car, exactly. Like like a month ago. And he just had to back-to-back, 15-point-plus uh, performances. So, I mean, he's really finding his groove there. And, I mean, his feet are back under him. I mean, he's looking like he's playing confidently. And, I mean, it saw it the other night because I don't know if you guys saw the the bucket there in the final minute, I believe, the ISO, yeah. iso- jump uh, turnaround fadeaway. Fade yeah. Yeah. Oh. There was no separation on that shot at all. That was defended perfectly by Dylan uh, DeSue, and that was just a tough, a tough bucket by CMOS Lukosius, and that's that's what you need. I mean, I thought he had a decent look at the basket at the end of the game, but obviously it's one of those situations where you're like, do you call a timeout or do you play to your advantage? And it's one of those things you can't go wrong with either decision, I feel like.
0: That's good, good. That's, yeah, and with Lukosius, my thing with him is he, he's got so much talent, uh, shooting ability. Um, he hasn't been aggressive enough, in, in, in my opinion. You look at some of the games, and, and he's only put up three or four shots. I don't know if... They have him trying to um be more of you know run the offense through him and have him distribute more, but he was actually aggressive the other night um and we've seen this in a handful of games and hopefully he can keep that because the team runs better especially when Frederick gets there that's the other frustrating thing is they can't get a rotation down they, they can't figure out who their best five to have on the court in certain situations because nobody like they can't have their core players together. I mean, obviously, uh, Bandago and uh, Reynolds had the issues with eligibility. One gets uh, one gets cleared, the other one finally gets cleared. You got uh, Lucious playing Frogger on uh, Calhoun Avenue, um, and now you've got the uh, hamstring injury for Fra- Frederick.
1: Neil might not know who Frogger is. He might he might be too young for that for that video game. <laughs> yeah,
0: I just thought about that. Damn youngins! <laughs> <laughs> the you video Definitely game a Frog young has, has to run across the highway without getting hit by yeah. cars, and then run across from getting hit by uh, or getting eaten by alligators.
1: <laughs> so I know Joe, Joe was, was, was very, if you ever don't follow Joe on, on Twitter, it's, it's very fun to, to follow Twitter uh, during, during uh, Bearcat basketball games. I kept seeing slow down skillings. That's I think, I, I think that's the way you were trying to say it.
0: Yeah. He, he, like he said, like Neil said, he's got so much talent that he's just still so raw. He's, has so few actual games under his belt in in his life. I mean he didn't pick up basketball, you know, in, until so much older than most of these kids. You see the ability. I mean you see how well he can shoot it from outside the arc. You can see how you know the the poster was just one of the best dunks I've seen in a non-James White Melvin Levitt category of, of all UC dunks I've ever seen in my life. Um, but then sometimes he'll just absolutely throw up the craziest shot or just be completely 100% out of control, throw the ball 10 feet out of bounds over someone's head. And, and it's like, this isn't the level, the Big 12 basketball, Big 12 conference games is not where you want to be making beginner mistakes or, you know, mistakes just due to uh, just lack of um, uh, lack of confidence or, you know, or Consistency like you need to be at your top again. UCF of all teams took down Kansas Jayhawks. We thought, I mean, look at the schedule, and that's you know, that, that's the break after they play this gauntlet to play UCF, and then West Virginia. But UCF just beat Kansas, so all right? Like, exactly, what, they, then then hoping maybe maybe. West Virginia. yeah. Then you're hoping maybe West Virginia in a couple weeks after the UCF game is your breather, but you're in West Virginia, you're in Morgantown, so
1: there ain't no breather in the Big 12. Paul Painter here says, uh, Wes Miller basically admitted that his guys listened to outside noise. I questioned UC's mental toughness in the Big 12 this season. I don't. After these last two games, I don't. I mean, they were in the Texas game. I know it was a home game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was their first Big 12 home game. And they played good. I mean, Texas, what was it, Diaz? What is his name? Uh, Thurman went for 33. 33 points, yeah. I mean, they, they couldn't stop him. That dude's yeah. an NBA player, and and they were still in the game. I mean, so James, when's he gonna start? <laughs> that's that's the point I'm getting. I mean, I love Day Day, but I mean, I think Day Day needs to be coming off the bench, and Jizzle needs to be getting the starters' minutes because he's got that it factor. He's got that that dog game. He, I mean, he might if going into the NCAA tournament. You want guys like that, especially guards. If you're going to do any tournament like this, or big games, you need very good guard play. I think Jizzle's got it. What do you guys say about uh, Jizzle? How much harder does he starts or It might just crash with straws.
2: I think, I think it might be a game where they, they see what happens with Dede Thomas here throughout maybe the next week or so at conference. This is just my prediction. Obviously, I don't know anything, but you see what he, you see what he does. See if he can rebound from his performances there in the first two conference games. I mean, he's really struggled versus BYU. And, texas i mean in the two conference games he's one for 14 from the field just seven points but he has eight turnovers so he has more turnovers than points but seven of those turnovers came versus byu mm-hmm. and as a starting point guard you just can't have that many turnovers in the big 12 especially as a starting guard but we also got to throw it into consideration dayday thomas is coming from juco Dizzle james is still a true freshman these are two guards who have stepped into big 12 starting point guards and hadn't played at the division one level until this year so obviously big 12 is a a different breed than what the non-conference schedule was so but me personally i think if jizzle james can continue to come in and make that impact off the bench and dayday thomas continues to struggle it might be worth making that switch sooner rather than later and i mean jizzle james is a guy who could have the caliber to be one of the best point guards in bearcat history i mean you look at his I, physique, yeah. His toughness, his physicality. Like, if you need a bucket and you gotta go attack to it. Me personally, I'm putting the ball in Jizzle James's hand because that dude loves contact, just like his dad, NFL Hall of Fame running back. He isn't scared to take the contact and get to the bucket. And I mean, we've seen that in multiple times throughout the season. So, but the upside for Jizzle James is the sky is the limit for him. But it's just a matter of if Day Day Thomas continues to struggle, does that move get get made sooner rather than later, or? What's West Miller's thought process on it? Because obviously we aren't the coaches, so we can't really make that decision. But I definitely expect Jizzle James's minutes to be increasing as Big Twelve play goes down the line. Hey, what's the yeah, what's the
1: spread for the Baylor game? You guys know?
0: I don't even think it's out yet, is it?
1: I thought it's, it was. Dude, it five and a half. I might be wrong. Is it? It's. I mean, it's, it's tomorrow or two nights from now. So it's. Yeah, it's it Saturday be, night. I think it will be. I think it be out already. Oh, yeah, I gonna, I gonna say what
0: I was going to say about um, uh, James is I, I don't know if it really matters who's starting the game. I think it's more of how the minutes are constituted. Uh, down the stretch, it's been almost exclusively uh day Thomas. And, yeah, with, with the turnovers. And, yeah, he only had one turnover on um, uh, the other night. But I think James is going to start seeing more and more of those minutes. He plays like his dad played football just as soon as he's going ahead and downhill to the basket, he's getting there and shot may get blocked. He might you know might miss the shot, but he's getting his own shot. And, and Bearcats lack somebody who's able to create their own shot, and and that's the one thing that he creates. And I, I think this was probably the plan anyway, regardless of how uh Dede was playing. Was I mean, he he's a freshman. He's a you know first year freshman. He's not even a red shirt. Work his way into the rotation, and he's outplayed. I don't say outplayed expectations, but. I, I think he's further along than uh, than they thought that he was going to be, as, you know, especially coming into the uh, coming into the Big Twelve, and he's holding his own. So I think he will start getting more share. And, and again, I, I don't care about who's there at the tip off. It's it's you know under four timeout in the second half, who's out there from there till the uh, to the buzzer, and I, I think he's going to be getting more and more of those minutes. So.
1: So a- any word on when uh, Fred, Fredrickson's coming back, Neil?
2: Uh, as of right now, we haven't got an update, but he was still completely shut down of basketball activities as of early this week. So or early last week heading into the uh, the Texas game, he was still completely shut down. So definitely a, a worrisome injury there, but it's a hamstring injury. I mean, he tweaked it versus Merrimack early in the season or he tweaked it versus Dayton, missed the Merrimack game, came back for Stetson and tweaked it again. And it's the same hamstring. I believe he had a injury with at kentucky so i mean they're just being super precautious it sounds like and it's kind of one of those things where it's day by day but we don't have an exact timetable yet but everyone who knows sports injuries hamstrings are probably arguably one of the hardest injuries to come back from so yeah you never know if it could be a two-week thing or it could be a two-month thing you never know
1: yeah that that a calf injury is just just ask joe burrow
0: <laughs>
1: yeah uh yeah i'd I, I, be nice to get him back because he, he he brings that consistent uh outside shooting for for the Bearcats. But, uh, like I said, I'm excited about about what's going on with the Cats. Uh, I do want to roll back to – some. I want to get back to the NFL coaching carousel because one thing I want to ask you guys is um, will will we ever see – mostly with just Saban and Belichick, the dominance, pure dominance that these guys had at their profession. Belichick with six Super Bowls, Saban with seven national championships – will we ever see that again? I mean, I, I, I don't think so. I, even in college full, I think we had a better shot of seeing it in college football, but now with the NILs and everything, I don't think you do. Well, what's your guys thoughts on that? I'll go with you, Joe,
0: first. I think so. I mean, these, these guys, there's always a great coach at And now granted six Super Bowl titles. I, no one has that anyway. So it's not as, right. as if, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's not as if he's yeah. at it, you know, at a level that's been hit before. He is the gold standard. Um, College football titles, I think so. I mean, guys are getting into coaching younger and younger ages, especially in the NFL, but um, even at college, you get guys that are starting in their early 30s. Someone's going to get six uh, six titles if they stick around long enough at one of these marquee schools.
2: Yeah, what you got? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think we do. Obviously, you look down right now, there's only two coaches in college football right now, still active coaches who have more than one national championship. And that is Dabo Sweeney and Kirby Smart. So I definitely think right now that Kirby Smart is what he's doing at Georgia is phenomenal. And he could keep that realm going, obviously with what they're building there. I mean, gauntlet after gauntlet, four or five star talents coming in left and right. But overall, I definitely think we do see it. I mean, it's something that it might take some time because you're looking down at what Nick Saban has been able to do. Seven national championships. Bill Belichick has six rings in the NFL in 24 years. That's a very, very historic feat there. And I mean, you're looking down at what Bill Belichick was able to accomplish in the NFL, 296 wins, including the playoffs, 17 division titles in 24 years, nine conference championships, and six Super Bowls. That's a, that's a pretty historic record right there in itself. So, I mean, it's going to be someone who is going to have to be tenured for a very long time, but you're looking around the NFL right now with these young coaches, a Mike McDaniel or a Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay, even these young offensive-minded coaches. Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor, you could potentially throw into that conversation as well. But there is still a lot to consider as these young offensive-minded coming coaches coming into the NFL. I mean, you look back at Kyle Shanahan's 2013 Washington Commanders uh, coaching staff. Yeah, Sean Mc, Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel. Uh, who else was on that coaching staff? Shannon.
1: Uh, uh, Shannon was on it.
2: Shannon. yeah. The whole coaching staff has is now a head coach in the NFL. You have Ben Slovak, who is the uh, offensive coordinator for the Titans, who is an offensive-minded young coach who is coming in and taking the NFL by storm this season, especially with what he's been able to do with C.J. Stroud. He's probably a name that's been garnering a lot of interest as potential head coach candidates. So I mean, it's definitely interesting to see for sure.
1: Exactly, exactly. I want to I want to get that point in there real quick. I know you guys gotta get out of here about 6:20, but uh, let's do some little Reds talk here. What we did we did bring it up earlier at the beginning of the show here. Uh, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting. Nick crawl said that uh, we're done. You know, pretty much basically done signing people. Yada yada yada. Then they uh, turn around, and they uh, sign uh, free agent from Cincinnati from Mueller. I'll get it right that time for you, Joe. Uh, <laughs> Brett Suter left a one-year contract uh 2.5 million dollars for 2024 um what's your thoughts on that move i i, I think it's bolstering the bullpen and and we have if, if we go through the injuries we went through last year we have guys i think that are better than the guys they tried to use last year if we have the same injury problems what do you got joe
0: yeah i think this is a really good move um i wouldn't call saying like they're done with the major moves obviously Brent Suter isn't exactly a major move, one year at two and a half million dollars, but um, they needed another left-handed arm in the bullpen to go with Alex Young who, and uh, Sam Mole. Sam Mole gets both sides out pretty uh, pretty well, so I, I just think it's it's a smart move. Him getting out of Colorado to Cincinnati is kind of an improvement, I guess. But I mean, the Reds have seen a ton of him. He played in Milwaukee for the first seven years of his career. Um, his numbers, like his ERA and everything, fell right in line with where it was supposed to be with FIP and XFIP and everything. So I think he's set up to have you know a, a decent season and again, more talent, the better. That pushes guys that should be flipping burgers or playing in Chattanooga out of the Reds uh, out of the Reds bullpen.
2: Neil, what do you got? Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with everything Joe said there. Obviously, Alex Young, you get another left-hander out of the pen to go alongside with Sam Maul which was desperately needed. I mean, we saw that last season. Uh, they only had one or two left-handers in the pen before they made that transit that trade to get Sam Maw at the deadline. But this is a guy who is from Cincinnati not only, but mm-hmm. he has great familiarity with GABP because of his time with Milwaukee. So, I mean, he's coming in here to a ballpark where it's a pitcher-friendly ballpark for some pitchers. But everyone knows it can be known as a hitter's ballpark too. So, I mean, a left-hander coming in here with great feel for – The the ballpark, obviously, this was a a guy who played arguably 150 games here over the last seven seasons, it felt like. So, I mean, he knows the ballpark really well. He's familiar with the area and the community as well, also being from Cincinnati. But he provides the veteran leadership there in the clubhouse. That's a big thing to really add on because he's been through these playoff runs. And the Bearcats, or not the Bearcats, the Reds, sorry, were on the, the verge of making that. The, uh, the playoffs last season, they just couldn't come down to it Two down the stretch. Yep. So, yep. So, now you add a veteran there to the bullpen, and obviously, you look down at the reds, you see the talent that they have been able to bring in Jameer Candelero. Uh, you bring in you still have Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain, whatever they do with Jonathan India, which
1: they still you know, haven't signed him. He's like he's the only one
2: that I think that's arbitration eligible yeah. that they still haven't signed yet. So, and then you still have to figure out what, you, what your role is with Tyler Stevenson whether he can stay healthy or not to be an everyday catcher. Then you have Christian Encarnacion Strand. You re-sign Jake Fraley, who was a key piece before the injury because that is a huge bat, whether it's off the bench or him starting in the outfield. They got rid of some guys, but overall, I mean, it's a it's a great move for the, for the Reds, and I'm excited for them this season. Obviously, everyone knows the talent that's on that team, the young talent, but I definitely think they could be a team a dark horse team there out of the NL this season.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, one thing with, uh, every kid's asking what they're gonna do with Jonathan Indian. This is when they kind of popped in my head. And I think to try to show that he's healthy and he's back to where he was to maybe not like spring training, but further into the season, because this is one thing like if the Reds are in this, they're going to have lots of pieces to be able to trade for a, a hopefully a starting pitcher down the stretch, you know, and, and maybe that's, maybe that's India. Maybe they do that before. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of curious. Cause it's just like, Joe, you've been on it before. You said the pieces just don't fit right. Yeah. So India is one. I'm still, I'm still thinking, hang on. He's the one, he's the, he's the thumb, you know, that doesn't exactly fit, but he's still a good player. And they might be trying to sh- showcase, so, showing that yeah, he's healthy. He's back to the way he was two years ago to possibly get as much as he can out of him. What, what do you think about that?
0: the other thing that I have is reds don't really make big trades at the deadline to improve their team. Uh, we saw this, this last year and it was incredibly frustrating. Um, I don't know. I still think there's a trade to be made because they have too many guys that play I mean, too many guys that are just kind of redundant. Right. Yeah. I, I agree. With um, you. So, and it, yeah, they can find a way to get them at bats. It, it's going to be an odd fitting roster. They need to swap out two it. Uh, infielders for that matter for, uh, for outfielders, outfielder, but but at least one infielder for an outfielder. I'm still holding out hope, and and, and it's not going to happen. I'm still holding out hope that they open up the uh, uh, prospect coffers, as they will, or if you will, to uh, trade for Dylan Cease and Luis Robert. That'd be nice. And th- 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 those two would be the absolute like finishing moves to a masterpiece uh, uh, masterpiece offseason by Nick Kroll. I, I, I It's it's not going to happen, Reds overvalue, I mean, the Reds have a history of overvaluing their own prospects, um, which is always bad to begin with, but again, it's, and, and yeah, like uh, like Paul put here in the note, it, it's more expensive to, uh, uh, trading for somebody is a hell of a lot more expensive at the trade deadline because you're desperate, plus right. you get a lot less of, you know, you get a lot less uh, actual time on their, you know, under contract with them than if they were to do it now, but. I, you know, I, I would love for them to to make that trade and just say, hey, we'll take – like for those two, here's five names, <laughs> and go for it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, I would love to see We've talked about that multiple times. But uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I mean, if, they, if no. they were to add one or both those starting pitchers, I, I'll take one of them. Uh, we we would have – I would say we'd be the favorite in the NL, NL Central. if we I mean, Luis
0: Robert is one of the five best center fielders in the entire game.
2: Mm-hmm. And he provides a great bat. You're bringing him into what a lot of people know as a hitter's ballpark. Yeah. That would be a tremendous add. So, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm there with Joe. If you if you're the Reds right now, I would five love five games, that. and I I would make that move yeah. right now. I mean, they had the opportunity at the deadline last year to go get a guy like Lucas Dialito who really struggled after the deadline. But that that could have been a one of those trades where it could have bolstered you, and it could have pushed you into that playoff.
1: Well, that makes your, makes your defense fixes your defense. You put him in center, put on right, put Steer or put Frito on left, and Steer right, and you know, Marte, Ellie, Maddie, Bats, and at Your infield positions, and you're good to go. Yeah, that, that would be that would be great. Anyway, you got both of you guys got to get out of here at six twenty. So I don't want to keep you any longer. Neil, real quick, plug yourself before I let you go. Then I'll, I'll let Joe do it.
2: Yeah. So you guys can find me on Twitter at Meyer Neil six or X, whatever it's called now. Uh, you can also check me out at thefrontofficenews.com. Uh, there with JT Smith. Uh, I'm also the co-host of the Bearcats blitz show on Valley sports. And you can also catch my work with Russ Heltman from Valley sports and all Bearcats as well. We co-host uh, Bearcats blitz. You can check us out at all Bearcats as well. Uh, Bearcat blitz. Are we on the uh, uh, Valley sports tonight at what time? Valley Sports tonight at 9 30 and then tomorrow morning at 10 30. There you go. Make sure you guys check it out. All right, Neil. I appreciate you every time you
1: come on, but brother. Thank you very much.
2: Not a problem. Thank you guys for having me.
0: You know.
1: All right, Joe. Plug some stuff. You gotta go do something or something. I don't know what you gotta
0: do. You gotta... I have kids. I've got I've gotta go be a parent every now and again. What? I don't need to plug anything. You guys, I've been on here enough. You guys know where to find me. Um find Jeff and me in person tomorrow at Brink. Uh yeah, Jeff buddy. will Jeff will buy you all a beer. What? First first round at Brink Brewery, Jackpot Joey Beer.
1: I don't. I, I, all of a sudden, I'm not hearing what you're saying.
0: <laughs> uh, no, uh, nah, I appreciate you having me on again, Jeff. Uh, we will see, hopefully, definitely see some of you guys out there tomorrow night at uh, Brink Brewery, so. Yeah, go
1: win some Bearcat tickets. All right, I'll see you tomorrow night, brother. And it's at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Just to let everybody know.
0: 7 o'clock. Peace, brother.
1: I do too. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Like Joe says, we'll be at Brink Brewery tomorrow night now, remember, it is at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. We giving away four Bearcats tickets, a Bearcat hoodie, a hat. All you got to do is go to ZTV online, sign up there, subscribe to my channel. We're going to be giving it away uh, on the show live tomorrow night from Brink Brewery. Uh, you can also go to Brick Brewery and physically sign up there as well. Uh, but please subscribe to the channel. That way uh, you will know when I'm giving it away. Anyway, uh, thanks, everybody, for watching and checking out the live stream. Like I said, I am live streaming on ZTV, Cincinnati, ZTV online, on YouTube. We're at 2,000. I actually added some people today. I was surprised. I'm at 2,000 this 2,469 subscribers. So that's awesome. So I appreciate that. Facebook and Rumble. If you guys are watching the show on any of these platforms, please hit the thumbs up. If you're watching on YouTube, or wrong, please subscribe. Please share it out so more people can't subscribe to my channel. I would greatly appreciate it. You can also follow me on Twitter, X, uh, Instagram, uh, TikTok, and threads. I've been putting stuff on there. Facebook is blowing up. I appreciate all the uh, back and forth we had on Facebook and on Twitter. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, other than that, you guys... Uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, podcasts. I about that. I'll be putting it on the podcast later on tonight. Uh, uh, put the set, pulling the sound off, putting it on the podcast later on tonight. It'll be on BeanPod, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Blake. Pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. Leave a comment. Please leave a comment at a five-star review. Helps the algorithm. Helps more people find my podcast. I greatly appreciate it. You guys have a wonderful day. I will see you tomorrow night at Break Brew. We're going to be giving away... Bearcat TCU tickets, a Bearcat hoodie, a Bearcat hat. You can come see me, Joe Farsi. We'll drink some Jackpot Jerry Beer. Have a great time. And other than that, that's your sports, baby. See ya!